In 2007, the Babylon podcast was our last best hope for more Lost Tales. We thought it failed. But after WonderCon, it became something more. Our last best hope for more Lost Tales geeking. The year is 2008. The name of the show is The Babylon Podcast. And welcome back to another Babylon Podcast. I am Summer Brooks. I'm Tim Callender. And happy Kosh of July. It's Jeffrey calling from <laughs> Universal City, California. I love it when Jeff sounds happy. We all love it when Jeff is happy. And Jeff's yeah, happy this is happy. Well, he's happy because he just got back from the Far Point pool party. Woo-hoo! We exactly. filled him up with Coralejo. Yeah. Jeffrey, I, how many I, brain cells? Can you count on one hand? You know what? I, I think Michael can attest. I actually was a pretty good boy. Absolutely. Now, that said, uh, it was a very long day with a lot of heat. And yes, there was a constant flow of uh, libation. But uh, all in all, I uh, I behaved. And uh, as did most people. I don't think anybody was out of control, right? No, no, mm-hmm. it was it was fabulous, and uh, you know, we ended up with, with a... summer taking her clothes off was a little <laughs> weird. But other than that, I mean, the rest of the people really behaved. In what parallel universe were you at visiting? The <laughs> uh, universe. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> no, we ended up with about uh, about forty three, forty four people for the day, I believe. And uh, wonderful people, yeah. wonderful many, people. Many of them were playing this strange game where they were throwing metal discs into sand pits. <laughs> I did not understand. Over and over and over. It's not Until that they, the cat would go poo in those, those yeah, it's, the sandbox. Yeah, there it's and, not that they played the game. It's like they kept playing it and kept playing. I'm like this is worse than golf. What is going on here? They're they're entranced by it. It was like a pod people thing. <laughs> Either that or it was the alcohol. Hey, you build a washer pit and you basically got entertainment for life. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, and Michael, once again, thank you for your hospitality and having all of us there because it was uh, it was a great sense of community and a, and a lot of fun and so many diverse people. Uh, of all ages and 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 backgrounds and it was it was really really pretty cool you know it's a whole social networking thing mm-hmm. buzz and and you do that well it 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 was and uh you know it, it's always been very predominant winging it crowd but i think that we had a pretty good representation of the b5 crowd there this year because i showed yeah. up <laughs> for once no, a lot of a lot of uh, B five uh, slices sci fi fans showed up. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, Bach, yeah, absolutely. Bach yeah. Dragon was here. Uh, actually, Uper had me sign the uh, Battlestar Galactica book, which I thought was kind of funny. I'm like, oh, I've, that's right, I forgot you wanted me to do this. <laughs> uh, who else was here? And uh, not only was the libation uh, flowing, but the food was outstanding. Holy <laughs> macaroni! 
We went through we went through thirty four pounds of pork. Um, probably what was it? Twenty two pounds of hamburger. Uh, oh my, I don't know. It's so many uh, bags upon bags of chips. I was going to say uncountable, and, uncountable amounts of chips. It's just amazing. <laughs> Did you guys make anything from the uh, dining on Babylon Five guys? Uh, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> no preparation time because uh, our our B five food geek was going to be leaving the party and then driving to North Carolina mm-hmm. right afterwards. Yep, exactly. And our uh, host from uh, Far Point's Freshly Green show, Greg, was there. Mm-hmm. And um, who else did we, we Brian was there. He was Jack was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who else? Uh, was Charlie regulars. here? We gotta, Charlie was we're here. We're going to have to maybe step it up next year and have a separate day just for the Babylon podcast pool party, followed <laughs> by the Far Point pool party after that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> And you're coming out a week ahead to help me win? <laughs> we should have it at Far Point West Coast. Well, actually, the next one is uh, Far Fest, which is uh, we've got to start planning for, which will be the last Saturday in December. Uh-huh. So that's the next one. Yeah, I know. Twice a year, I'm insane. But, uh, hey, it's it's what we do around here. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of insane, we are going to be having next up a wonderful interview with Amy Guskin, who spearheaded her own brand of insanity regarding the Jakar mask. That's dedicated passion for a cause, not insanity. Yes. Uh, well, some some people would think that she was crazy, but it depends on what it is you're passionate about and and whose definition of crazy that passion fits that's yeah, I my think, i think maybe they should have gone after the ilana malari hairpiece but then again that's just kind of where i my head's at hey there are people buying burnt toast for thousands mm-hmm. of dollars so this isn't any more crazy than any of that other stuff <laughs> now what i'd like to know is is there a lorian face mask out there someplace or did that just get lost to time yeah i don't know any idea no i ha- i have no idea where all of this stuff went is you know it's uh, it'll be interesting to see what Amy has to say about this because uh, apparently she she knows the ins and outs she's been hunting. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well then, let's uh, take a quick break and uh, get Amy on the phone. Great. Are you a geek and a parent? Or maybe you want to be a parent one day? Well, then come on over to howtogrowyourgeek.net. We have suggestions of games that you can play with your kids, reviews of television shows that you'll enjoy watching with them, and other ways for you to share this fantastic hobby. So come on over to howtogrowyourgeek.net and join the party. We're waiting for you. Welcome back. We are here with a very, very special guest. Tim? Yes. <laughs> Our special guest is one of the 10 Babylon 5 fans who pooled their resources in order to acquire the Jakar mask and Andreas Katsoulis life cast to donate it to a museum. So we welcome to the Babylon podcast, podcast nah, 
Amy Guskin. Hi, Amy. Hello. How are you? Hi. Thanks for having <laughs> Hi, me. Hi, Amy. Welcome. Thank you. Well, thanks for taking time out of your very busy schedule because uh, I hope uh, um, your boss isn't going to be too angry with you. Right. Well, uh, I am the boss, so uh, <laughs> it's very easy to take a little time off and surf, but of course, well. <laughs> so tell us, tell us how this whole thing came to be. What, well, what you know, it and... for years I've been watching uh, eBay auctions and watching, you know, little pieces of the show disappear. And, and year after year I noticed that things were ending up in the hands of private collectors who keep them in a box in their house. Nobody will see it. Um, collectors who don't know or respect what they have. You know, I love the ones that say, I think this is a Jakar mask. And then you find out it was like Narn 38 from the back row. You know, one of those ones with the holes cut out for the eyes. And, um, and, and the worst of the lot, the people who buy costume pieces and cut them up to put them on cards to sell. And, you know, I, I, I'm sure some of fandom will think I'm the Antichrist for, for you know, decrying those people. But um, I, I, I don't know. If, if you want, like, an inch of cloth from the shirt that Jakar was wearing when Cartagia whipped him in the summoning, that's great. But I, I really think that, that the shirt intact is, is a more valid item. So, you know, I was watching all these items disappear. And then Andreas died, and of course that was, you know, very, very sad time, and I knew that, that this mask that had been up before for auction was going to come back, and it came back, and uh, the first time it came back, I don't think we even tried to get it, I think it was up for $4,000. Second time it went up, it was up for 3000 and I attempted to get together a consortium, didn't work, nobody bit, and this, this was in November, and to my surprise, when it went up the next time, when the price had gone down to 2000 um, this was early December, and I thought, I'll never get anyone now, because everybody is scrimping and saving for Christmas, that's the end of this, and sure enough, amazingly, people came through, and we were able to make the purchase. How did you, how did you find the people to to uh, help out with this project. I mean, oh, well, I'm, I'm not the shy that? type. I'm, I'm not shy, <laughs> so uh, I'm, I'm also a moderator on, on the, the moderated Usenet news group. So, and I've been there a long time, and I know lots of people there, and, and, and you know, I posted a message, and people, you know, there, there were some people who had actually met me in person at cons and the like, and many of them had just known me, you know, online for years, and Obviously, you know, we hear a lot of scary stories about all the terrible predators you meet online, but there's also people like the B5 fans and the B5 fan community, and we kind of know that we're good people. So I posted something on the news group, and um, as I say, amazingly, nine people ended up being actually 11 of us because one of them uh, is co-credited with his wife, so we became 11 <laughs> from 10. Uh, they came through with, you know, just vast sums of money that they sent to me uh, for something that, and, and this is the thing that's so amazing. You know, it wasn't, to me, it wasn't that amazing that they would trust me because being the moderator, it's not like they wouldn't be able to find me if I ran off with their money. Yeah, I wasn't right. going to abscond with all the money and then disappear. But what amazed me was that people were willing to pony up this kind of money for something that they would likely never see. Uh, one of the, the donors who lives in New Jersey actually managed to get to my house and see it because uh, she was quite close. But other than that, most of these people, you know, will never see it unless they happen to travel to New York and go to the museum. And what was the, what's the exact name of the museum again that you've donated? This is the Museum of the Moving Image. That's what I thought. Now, what is that museum? What's the main 
purpose of that museum? Can well, they are dedicated to the uh, what's exactly the word? The technical and artistic. Oh, here we go. They advance the public understanding and appreciation of the art, history, technique, and technology of film, television, and digital media. That's straight off the press release. Wow. So <laughs> I did not so memorize that, that. How did how did you choose that museum over something like say? the uh, Science Fiction Hall of Fame in Seattle. Oh, funny you should... Yeah, well, we did actually try to uh, donate the item to the Science Fiction Museum in Seattle first. And we went through a very long process with them with signing of papers and FedExing of the item. And, and I packed this thing so carefully that, you know, you could have, like, had an infant in the box and it would have arrived, you know, unscathed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I bought, you know, much styrofoam and foam rubber and packing. We got it there. They looked at it. They sent it back. They said they really liked it, but something was going on. They were in transition. They didn't have room, and it just it sounded very strange. You know, I don't know what was going on there, but for whatever reason, they didn't take it. And um, I, a bunch of you know, Star Trek just, fans. yeah, yeah. Well, there's that. But I, I, I've heard a lot about things that they've turned down, Hugo Awards. You know, so I, I don't know what's going on there. But I, I was racking my brain. I was all set to go to one of the Smithsonian's. And then Blair, who is our Northern California donor, Blair Leatherwood, happened to make a trip east for a bar mitzvah, no less. <laughs> and he was in he was in New York, and uh, something made him get on the subway, go to Queens, and go to this museum. I guess he had known about it and wanted to take a visit there. It's in Astoria, uh, near the Astoria Studios, kind of you know well-known uh, facility. He took a look. He thought it was really great, and he actually talked to them while he was there and asked if there would be, you know, any way that, that ordinary folk could just make a donation. And when he got back home, he emailed me, told me about it. I said, wow, that sounds great. And since I'm out here on the East Coast and I, you know, have business and family up in New York, so I'm up there a fair bit, I managed to get up there with the item and talk to them. And they, it was immediately apparent that this was the place for the item because they knew the show. They could wow. see the quality of the item. They could see that this was not just some goofy guy's mask, that this was a piece of artwork. And honestly, you know, guys, I can't tell you, un unless you've seen one of these things up close, obviously Jeffrey has. Um, when I got it in the box, I, I, I ended up having to open the presentation box, the plexiglass blocks box, because of a problem with the mask, which that's another story. Um, and I got to see it up close with nothing in between, you know, no plexiglass between me and it. And it looked like someone had creepily, you know, taken an alien and skinned it because it was that lifelike. It was unbelievable. Even after this many years, you know, packed away someplace, it was just such a stunning piece of work. So it's nice so, that they had some respect for it. Okay. So, so they knew what they knew what you had, right? Yes. That's that's the impression I get. And, yes. and then at that point, how how difficult was the process? to get it into their hands? Uh, like anything that involves a bureaucracy, it, it took some time. It really, it wasn't effortful from my perspective after I had actually dropped the item off in Astoria. Uh, we just had to wait for, I guess there's a committee that accepts donations. They had to meet and that took some months. And then there's paperwork flying all over the world because we have to actually sign um, a contract basically donating the item to the museum. And there are uh, 11 of us who need to sign located, you know, from diverse places such as Seattle and way out in some reaches of the UK. So we've been sending this contract around and it's 
almost ready to come back to me and then go to the museum. And we're quite excited about that because actually the latest news, and nobody knows this yet, this is brand new, uh-huh. the museum is going to, the museum is, is, well, if you read the press release, you did read that the you couldn't see the mask at this point because the museum ironically, tragically, has broken ground on a new facility, which is on the same ground that they're located on, which means they're closing until the new building is built. And that's like 2010. And I I just, you know, wanted to bang my head against the wall when I heard that. But of course, we still wanted them to have it. So now we learn that there is such demand to see their stuff that they're reopening a core part of the exhibit and I guess, you know, a safe part of the building that isn't getting knocked down for the summer. And they are very, they're so excited about the mask that the mask is going to be part of this exhibit. Yay! Yay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to be posting and announcing about that as soon as I know dates and location because there are people who have already been clamoring to see it. Well, you send that information on to us, too, and we'll make sure we get it. Thank you. I will. I will. So, so I understand. So it, it's going to be on display this summer, but then yes. they'll go out of display while the building knocks down, and then we won't see it again <laughs> yes. until 2010? Well, well, it won't be seen physically in Astoria in person until 2010, but it will be in the museum's online collection. And um, I can probably provide a link to that sometime at some point. Well, I'll, send it to the, I'll send it to you guys, and you can okay. post it or announce it. Now, Amy... Tell Thor, Jeffrey, Mike, and all the rest of the listeners the story you told me about <laughs> when the box arrived in your hands, because it is very charming. I, I will. It is a funny story. You know, I, I knew that it was coming. We knew basically what it looked like because we'd seen the photos on eBay. And, you know, the day the carton arrived, I, I work at home, so I'm home alone all day. My husband's at work. And this carton arrived, and I was almost afraid to open it up because here was this thing, you know, that we'd paid so much money for and we were so excited to get. And it was entrusted to us. And I, I get out my little X-Acto knife, and I, I open up the packing, you know, the tape off of the box. I open up the box. I throw all the packing peanuts around and, you know, get them out of the box. And staring up at me from inside the plexiglass is... Not Jakar, but Andreas, because in transit, the mask had slipped off of the life cast, and it was pulled at the bottom of the box. And I have to tell you, I was rather startled. (laughs) (laughs) I I thought that was quite, uh, I mean, it was interesting. I was really happy to get to see it like that, but I also thought, oh, my God, it's ruined. It's crumpled. It wasn't. I mean, I opened, I, I, I got some instruction on it. You know, I opened the plexiglass box. I, I actually called up Optic Nerve, and they gave me some advice on exactly what to get to, you know, reattach it to the mask. And it was fine. It was not damaged. And uh, it was kind of a neat treat that I got to see the life cast under the mask. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it such a special item. You know, uh, unfortunately, anyone who knows about special effects knows that these things are worn once and discarded, and they have a bunch of them available for each, each day's shooting in case they need to reapply. And um, so this is not a worn one or anything. And you can, you've seen these. They've been up for auction before, um, but generally you're just getting this piece of latex. And what this is is the piece of latex on the form that they actually used to you know, make it fit to Andreas's face better, the original cast that they took of him. And it's got little bits of paint here and there. And I, I really think that's what makes it so unique. And you know, it, it gets to be not just a tribute to this amazing show that you know, has, has moved so many people so deeply for so long, um, you know, even 10 years after it's, it's gone from the air, but it also gets to be a, a, a nice tribute to Andreas, you know, that his face ends up in a museum. And sure. certainly... 
you know, he deserves it, I think. So was Optic Nerve the uh, the seller? No, Optic think? Nerve, John Vulich of Optic Nerve, who did all of the, the Babylon 5 spaces and effects, um, he actually gave it to, he gave the mask to Mark Zakri, who was a writer of uh, the first right. season episode Survivors. And, you know, they gave it to him very nicely, as I said, on, on the face mask and in, in the box and everything. And um, I guess, you know, Mark must have a lot of memorabilia because he's, he's done a lot, especially in Trek. And um, so we got to get this with a very good provenance, you know, rather than coming from some clearinghouse of, of junk, you know, which is where a lot right, of these right. things come from. And did you disclose the amount or did you not... It's two thousand. I don't mind telling people that it was two thousand. Wow! Plus, okay. you know, various money for FedExing it back and forth here and there, and buying sure. the special, you know, prosade glue that I had to, you know, seek out, and so, and buying all the packing stuff. So it it ended up being more than that. But it's it it was two thousand for the auction itself, and I mean, we were just so pleased and delighted to do something with it that was going to benefit the fan community at large. And, you know, of course, not everybody's going to be able to get here. Not everybody can get anywhere. Um, you know, there are lots of things that people can't, can't see, but at least more fans will be able to see this than if it were sitting in somebody's basement. Sure. Or if it were cut up, <laughs> put on cards. I can't tell you how much that bothers me. Oh. <laughs> and it was actually that shirt from The Summoning where Jakar was being whipped in Cartagia's chamber. Right. Someone actually bought that. Cut that up into little pieces oh. and put them on costume cards and sold them. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to learn that they sold maybe, you know, single digits of that item. Who's going to buy that? And they ruined it. So, yeah, it's, it's a beautiful piece. We feel like it, it's in a place where it's going to get a lot of respect and where really a lot of fans are going to be able to see it because, you know, Astoria is, is just a subway ride from, from New York. Sure. Now, at that at the museum... Did they have other Babylon 5-related materials? I didn't see other Babylon 5 things, but let me tell you, this was some museum. One of the displays they had was um, a bunch of latex figures from altered states showing one of the transitions. So it was like four rows of masks from human to thing. This is really some great museum. There There were miniatures from 2010, um, you know, they've got a lot of old-timey stuff, too, like, you know, ancient cameras. Uh, I was amazed at this little tucked-away place that I had never... You know, I'm a New Yorker. I'm from New York originally, and I, I had never even heard of this place. And it had so many wonderful things. Every science fiction fan should be should visit that museum if they have the chance. And every fan of film and, and you know, television really should take a look. It, it was just terrific. I, I have not been to that museum, but there is a uh, mummy in uh, in London that I highly recommend. Uh, the Museum of Moving Images in London is uh, uh, just fascinating, and it's huge. It's it's mammoth. In fact, they even it's got a great sense of humor about it because when you uh, start the tour, there's a very specific path that you walk through the maze of this building and up stories and down stories and all over. And, and there's footprints the whole way. And as you progress, they tell you like 2,752 steps to go, you know, and you're, and you're counting down how far you've gone and they give you places to stop and rest. But the, the collection is just off the charts. So I should imagine the uh, New York one to be of the same caliber. It's got to be fantastic. Oh, it really is. I hope you have a chance to see it maybe at a con or something like that. 
we still have a handful of cons here on the East Coast. <laughs> <laughs> so, Amy, just in general, what what drew you to Babylon Five uh, initially? <laughs> that gets you to the point I'm, where you're organizing people to buy a piece of uh, the show. Just a, just 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 a man. I want to say no, just a woman. Um, I, I'm just really just a fan, and I've I've been a fan since you know the fir- the show first aired. I did my darndest to stay off of Usenet for a really long time, but eventually got sucked in like everybody else. And I've been on the moderated news group for a number of years, and I I became a moderator a few years ago just because I had more time to do it than some other people, and I was there every day anyway. Um, I I don't know that I have uh, (laughs) really anything uh, else to recommend me. I I did get a credit in one of the script books recently for some layout work that I did. (laughs) Hey, there you go. Other than that, I'm just me. Well, you've done a marvelous thing, you and the ten other people. Thank you, thank you. You know, it's it's a very small way to pay Joe back for you know all those many many hours of entertainment and pleasure that he gave us. You know, a lifetime really. Well, I mean, we've been doing the podcast uh, based on this thing. So, what does that tell you? Yeah, yeah, there you go. You're employed, (laughs) thanks to him. You you should, uh, yeah, you're employed, right, Tim? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't say you were getting paid, salary. I just said employed. Can I yeah. double my salary? The, the Babylon <laughs> podcast jet is on the way out to pick you up. And <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that swag bag that you sent me was really awesome, you know, thanks. I, I loved, uh, I especially loved the Rolex. <laughs> yeah. uh, you should know that I think I was Narn number 39, so <laughs> I was a little insulted by <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Yeah, that's great. But I mean, you've seen the difference. Seen it, up I, I, seen it, of course. It is just funny how the stuff gets sold by people who don't know anything. And I mean, you know, anyone who who you know knows the show more than just a little, there were like three levels of Narn that you could be. You know, there were the people like Talon and Jakar that had these you know personally fitted prosthetic devices. And, uh, you know, then you had the people who were a little closer, but, you know, they weren't so famous. And then you had the people in the background. And I love, especially on the DVDs, you know, the resolution is so crisp and beautiful that you really can see that Narn 38 and Narn 39 just had rubber masks with holes for eyes. So you must have been pretty warm in those, is my guess. Yeah, they were. They don't, <laughs> it's not really a breathable material, no. No, no. <laughs> and, and then I recall... Um, there was a Warner Brothers licensee that got the right to to make them and sell them. Yeah. Do you call who that was? No, I know that like Ruby Costumes at one point did the shirts, and I think it was basically like you could buy pajamas that looked like the uh, Army of Light uniforms. <laughs> um, I don't remember who made the masks, but let me so tell you. Somebody I mean, did make them, and they were cheesy beyond cheese. They were really thin and flimsy, and I remember getting one uh, from Warner Brothers when they were – it was probably a, an approval sample or something like that, and it was really goofy, and we made fun of it. But I stuck it on uh, the file cabinet. It, it used to sit on top of the file cabinet in my Babylon 5 office right next to my Kosh head. I had a Kosh head and, a, and this, this wobbly, wiggly, jello-like uh, uh, Narn head there. I don't know what happened. I don't think I have that anymore. I don't know what happened to that. Time to clean the it, 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 it might be in the archive summer. It might be. Ooh. Wow, that that would make a great like you know prize for something on the podcast. <laughs> Your personal cheesy licensed Narn mask, right? Oh yeah, right, 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 right. Exactly. <laughs> well, anybody else have any more questions for Amy? Anybody else? Um, sure. So, what kind of car do you drive? 
<laughs> well, actually, you know, it's funny that you mention that because that is one more weird connection I have. I drive a purple Saturn. I won't even tell you what year. It's the only year they made purple, though, in, in, in the sedan. Um, but the funny thing is, a bunch of years ago, I won, uh, I guess, I, I, I don't know if you'd call it win, I won the right to have my car wrapped for the Legend of the Rangers movie promotion. I was one of really? the five, there were only five people in the whole country. And I still have a page showing the pictures of my car wrapped and me dressed as sort of like Delenn because I had bought one of those cheesy Minbari heads from the licensing company. <laughs> and like many women, I, I took it, I cut the bald pate out so that I could wear it around my long, dark, you know, ringlety hair like Delenn. And I took pictures of me in it all over the Philadelphia area. Um, you know, in front of the Liberty Bell, in front of the Rocky statue, because, you know, this is what sci-fi wanted us to do with the car. And when I check my statistics for my domain, I find that that page still gets hits. Wow. <laughs> oh, can we post that photo on our on Sure. Our, uh, you, I'll, 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 I'll send you the link that. to the page. Excellent. Uh, that would be great, as well as any image you have of the of the mask itself. Yeah, oh, I've got a lot of those, so I'd be happy to send you a bunch of things like that. So yeah, That would be terrific. Yeah. And doesn't that just speak volumes for the way the history of Babylon 5 and the way that it's been promoted or not? <laughs> there were only five cars in the country that were, you know, what did that for all of, you know, yeah. uh, uh, $1,100 maybe, something like that? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, it didn't that, cost that a lot. Five in every city in America, just five, period. Can't, yeah. can't imagine why that series didn't take off. It's it's sort of sad, but you know what's interesting is well, or or nice little ironic twist is I'm hoping that you know some of these suits who made some of these bad decisions are noticing Joe's skyrocketing career, you know, and what? and thinking, gee, well, you know, Joe, Joe Straczynski has been at Cannes mm-hmm. last month for his new film and everything, and you know he's he's doing pretty amazingly, and uh, I'm I'm just hoping that some of these suits realize that by kind of not treating Babylon Five seriously, maybe they made a mistake because look. Some people think this guy can write. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, that's it's a. I mean, we've talked about this at length many times here on the podcast. Is is the how mystified we are that the the people you know they're obviously at Warner's. There's people who support the show, or else we wouldn't have had Lost Tales made and so forth, so on. But it's it's like all the evidence points to the show as being extremely popular, at least to a particular fan base. You know, they sell out of the DVD. You know, Lost Tales was like number one on Amazon for two months pre-ordered. I mean, just right. insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yet somehow there's this ultimate disconnect at the at the highest level. They just don't seem to get it. It's just very bizarre. Yeah, I, I'm sure that part of what frightened them so much was the long arc. I'm sure that that put put them off in some great way. But uh, you know. It, it, certainly they made a mistake, but at least we got our five years. And oh, I yeah, think, absolutely. you know, we'll have that for the rest of our lives, and it's just this great thing. Yeah. It's, it's marvelous. We like it. Wonderful. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, that's why we're all here. <laughs> okay, so what's the, what's the next item of iconic Babylon 5 status that we can try to rescue from oblivion? <laughs> Well, there's a lot of nice things out there. I, I would love to have the uh, Book of Jaquan, but I, I believe that went to Joe Straczynski's wife. So uh. I don't think we'll be getting that anytime soon. No. What would you I like, do. Summer? Hmm. You get a, one item from the show. One item. What would I want? 
I'd want either Marcus's fighting pike or the big Daffy Duck poster from Garibaldi's room. <laughs> well, I'd want the fighting pike if it worked. <laughs> I know people who can uh, who can work metal. I'll work on this. It's like give give it to me in the compressed format and in the extended format, and I'll have them try to make one that does everything in between. Let's Man, get the original two hundred year old bottle of Zima. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's important. <laughs> Actually, I'd want one of the. I, I, uh, a, there was wasn't there in one of the scenes a big model of the station. Yeah, I, oh I think yeah. Desk there yeah. Is, I would like to find out where think, that went. I think Joe Straczynski has it. I think that's of like one of the few things he kept. Of course he does, and he's probably got the <laughs> plaques that were on the on in CNC too, doesn't he? Uh, which thing from CNC? That there were there were plaques for. Oh. Uh, I don't know. I don't. Uh, I don't know what else he has, but you know, he's talked about it from time to time on the news group. Mm-hmm. I mean, he now shut. He you know, he shut off the light, so he probably went through like you know. It's like, okay, I'm taking this. I'm taking this. <laughs> uh, I can't believe somebody left this behind. I'm taking it. <laughs> Which is why Garibaldi only got to walk off with a single solitary shot glass. It <laughs> <laughs> was the one bit of memorabilia nobody stripped off the set. Exactly. And what's sad is, of course, probably most of that stuff has just been trashed by the studio. You know, they say you can't have it because we need to keep it, and they probably throw it all out. Jeffrey, now is a great time for you to tell the story. It's up on on your blog, which hasn't been updated in years. But tell the story of what you dug out for Richard Biggs. (laughs) Do you remember that story? Um, I read that Yes, I do. Was that the end of season four or season five? That's the end of the show when they tore everything. That apart. was the end of the end. Yeah, that really was the end of the show, season five, right? And uh, you know, Amy's correct. Uh, we, I mean, a lot of stuff went into the dumpster before you, you know Warner Brothers even had a right to claim to it because it was you know just not something that had particular. Uh, you know, it's reverse engineering from the bean counter. So if it had a, a, uh, an accounting code, you know, then it had to be returned back to Warner. But if it was, you know, within a line item, it was, you know, it was just expendable stuff. And and um, <clears throat> I, uh, our our dumpsters used to sit in the back by the loading docks of, of the stages, and um, I'm, I was out there rummaging through them one day. Uh, after the show was closed down, and it was it was immediately after the show closed down, and I was looking at some of the stuff that was getting thrown out, and uh, and and Rick Biggs came back and and kind of startled me, but I said, hey, I, I gotta I gotta show you this, and I I delve into the dumpster, and uh, I pulled out one of the the large green panels that made up the uh, med lab. That had this, the the little snake logo and and um, they were these little well it was they were rec- they were square but they had like hash marks like, across them I don't know yeah it was like it was tiles. part of the med lab walls yeah tiles. it was like the, it was a futuristic treatment of the medical caduceus mm-hmm. yeah there you go right exactly and he was ecstatic by that <laughs> that's nice he was. That's I still have nice. one of those mm. now. They made and, and, and I I can see you dumpster diving. That just somehow <laughs> seems to be an appropriate activity. That's that's how I got. You know what? I dumpster dove in the in the show too. I was uh, was some scene in Down Below, and uh, <laughs> I was doing some dumpster diving in a, in one of the episodes. Yeah. 
<laughs> that was early season one or season two. Now, they had to make a lot of copies of the Book of Jakar for what we saw in later episodes. Yeah, but there there was the Book of Jakar Prime. You know, there was the, yeah, the one that one. he wrote, and then there was the one that got mass-produced. Uh-huh. I would but, like the mass-produced one that was, put your face in the book. <laughs> you, you flip to it and it has like a face print right there. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Now that would be a collectible. Because you know nobody asked him that question again. Well, you know, speaking of collectibles we want, actually one that I did want came up for auction and one of these private collectors snagged it right out from under me just because he had a lot more money than I was able to spend. And this was the famous Jakar chest piece, Ooh, which I thought oh, would have been wow. a lovely companion to the face. And, you know, there's such great stories about the chest piece and how Peter used to tweak Andreas's nipples and he put <laughs> Band-Aids over the nipples. And, and, yeah, I'm really sad that that's going to sit in somebody's, some guy's basement. But what can you do? You know, it's, well, it's a free market economy, right? wearing it. I uh, know this is a guy this is a guy who has he collects a lot of stuff. He's sort of been in the press for collecting Trek stuff. He's in Europe and he has a museum which I think hasn't been open to the public in something like forever. I don't know. Hmm. It's yeah, that's a shame. Did anybody ever get pieces of his costumes like his boots or uh, the gauntlets? I believe that is with um oh there was a picture recently of Joe and Tracy Scoggins and Doug Netter at some some event, I think maybe that Warner AOL ran, and it was in connection with the Museum of Television Radio, perhaps, out in, in L.A., and you saw the whole suit and the boots, you know, the, the, the whole main uh, Jakar suit from, like, season three, four, five, you know, the, the more classic look. Mm-hmm. So somebody does have that somewhere. And that, in fact, was in Aaron's space at... Um, at the Smithsonian in Washington for some costume exhibit. And I think that was even at the Science Fiction Museum in Seattle for a time, along with Londo and Delenn costumes. Somebody has those. Probably Warner has those. I mean, I know they have it because when they did Legend of the Rangers, they actually brought out, you know, the same costume. And, you know, Andreas had to wear the same costume. And now you've got me, like, running down a little list of what. Interesting little things are not likely to exist anymore or somebody has stashed away, like the pain collar that mm, uh, yeah. the one assassin well, tortured Well, anyone who's really with. interested in these questions should, you know, either write them into you and you can send them to me or they can come to the Usenet news group and, you know, once in a while Joe still comes there and they can ask him. Mm. Yeah. Like, hey, you know where this got off to? Pardon? Amy, did you get the chance to uh, meet Andreas? I did. I did, and he was a really dear man and very nice, and, and, you know, lots of actors are extremely nice at cons, but I, I sat with him actually for most of a whole weekend at um, at a small Midwestern con, and I was working at his table with him, and um, he just, I've never seen someone so patient with every level of fan that you could imagine, you know, the people with the questions that there's no way the actors know about or care about, and they ask them anyway, and, and the people who were asking, you know, things that were just sort of silly, and the people who were giggling and couldn't say anything, and he just, he was so nice to each one, he, he acted like he was as interested in them as he was in, you know, his stockbroker, um, and he had something very nice to say to each one, and really made them feel that, you know, he was paying attention to them, was interested in, in who they were, and why they were there to see him, so... Just nice man. Very nice man. Good way to end it. 
Well, Amy, thanks for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate wow. you. Thank you so pleasure. much for having me. You're very Not welcome. A problem. <laughs> Not a problem. We'll, we'll get the links up. You send along uh, information. We'll get those up and, uh, you know, maybe all of a sudden the uh, Museum of Moving Image will find this influx of weirdos at their door. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe your podcast will get like 80 zillion more listens because I'm definitely going to be posting about this on the news group. Woo-hoo. Great. Excellent. So let us Thank reciprocate. You. <laughs> <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you, Amy. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. On the next Farpoint Media News, an exclusive look inside the Babylon podcast, we'll take you inside the host studio in the aftermath of the pool party. Then, he broke his sobriety with Coralejo. Now find what the future holds for Jeffrey Willard and his drunken co-hosts. Yeah, exactly. There's a little a little hat dance we're going to do later on in the show. Plus, former Babylon 5 cast member speaks out against her old boss. Mom's dead, dad's dead, brother's dead, I'm a lesbian. An in-depth report on the next Babylon podcast. And we're back. Thank you, Tim, for arranging that. That was fascinating. I love hearing what other B5 fans are doing, even to this day. Yeah, and and, um, when I got the email in, and uh, I think she sent that initial email. I know a couple other people had had sent in... um, the press release regarding it, but um, she included her phone number. And it's like, all right, you know what? Shoot her email, and she was quite willing to come on. So, yeah, it was my pleasure. Uh, and, and again, thanks to Amy for being willing to, to come on and, and yak about it. A- Amy was sort of like the Indiana Jones of, of memorabilia, you know? It's like, I think she's <laughs> out there sort of scrounging for artifacts. She knows her stuff, she knows her artifacts. I wonder if she has her own theme music playing when she's out and about. <laughs> But you know what, Tim? Uh, my feelings are hurt is because you didn't ask me what, if if anything, I could have. You guys were talking well, she, about all the things. She was the one that was asking that. She uh, that wasn't my question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's question. right. She asked Summer. I know because right, right. I, I was I had my answer all lined up. So Jeffrey, what was yours? What was yours? Mine, Claudia Christian. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say a, a, a date with Veer, but okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> and mine was going to be, I was going to say, five more years. <laughs> yeah, that would have been good. You and Bruce. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Timothy, do you have any emails for us? Well, you know what? I don't. because uh, I Timothy, do you have any voicemail for us? Well, you know what, Jeffrey, since, since you asked, uh, no, I don't. Tim, do you have any uh, video feeds that have come to us? Well, you know, in fact... Um, Tim, do you have any late-breaking news for us? Uh, uh, well, there's nothing new on the Lensman front, so I'm sorry to disappoint all those people who are waiting on, on with bated breath for that. So, um, well, no... Three, three producers in the room, and we got nothing to talk about. Well... That pretty much sums it up. You're right. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. But but then the Bari do everything in threes, so Summer's the one uh, who didn't. I'm the one who should have, and you're the one who won't. Oh. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, Ooh. Appreciate it. That was good. That was... Um, 
Right. This is episode like 119 or something like that, and we we still don't know what to. But um, <laughs> the thing that I uh, noticed at the pool party um, that was cool and I didn't quite know enough about was that uh, Michael had set up microphones both inside and outside the house that there was this constant feed mm-hmm. uh, for the far points. And, and and I don't think enough people know about the feed and, and certainly don't know about the chat room that goes along with that. So we need to pimp that a little bit more, and maybe there's some people in the chat room that can help us uh, uh, cover Tim's yeah, inability to come up with some fresh material for us. <laughs> <laughs> actually, we do have uh, people in the chat room right now, and like I can't believe there are people here for the entire, what, nine, ten hours? The feed was up for nine or ten hours on Saturday, mm-hmm. and I there have were not- people ah. in there the whole time. And you know, I would wander by, Debbie would wander by, uh, I think Tim and Brian would wander in, and we'd just jump in the chat room and say, hi, how you doing? We're in here. And then just yeah, leave. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And there's a there's no, live that... feed and incriminating evidence all over the place. Oh, now. yeah. So I'll have the blackmail lists out for that uh, those conversations, especially Retro's wife. Um, <laughs> did, did, I should did, be able to blackmail did her Did they forever. not realize that, oh, that yeah. everything out there was being recorded? They knew. Oh, or yeah, because people, time. because people stand up and walk by and actually talk into the microphone oh, okay. directly. So, well, yeah. Oh, as yeah. long as everyone was aware. Oh, it was posted. I posted it in our bathroom behind uh-huh. the shower curtain, uh-huh. and uh, it's so, yeah, we're perfectly <laughs> legal and fine. <laughs> so when somebody emails in complaining later, Oh my God! That me wearing no underwear story went out to everybody. <laughs> you can claim deniability. There you go. But, uh, yeah, no, we have a chat room. They listen to us do this show live. See, if you're listening to the show in the podcast that you've downloaded, you missed us doing this live a week earlier with all the mistakes and hilarious stuff that sometimes Brad edits out. Uh, but right now, we have questions from the chat room. Yeah, because this is going out live, and since we're talking about them, they can (laughs) reply in. So this one is actually from Mike Stark to Jeff. Lots of people ask about the best of B5, so I'll go the opposite route. Other than squeezing into the suit, what was the hardest thing or thing you liked least about working on B5? Uh, Well, actually, it's fun how all those, so many visions just rush through my head. It's so hard to pick just one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was uh, for for uh, most of uh, the five year run. I lived uh, all the way out in Ventura, California, and um, would have to get up. You know, you've already heard all the stories about how stinky early everybody had to get to work. Well, I had to do that every single day just because I had over an hour of, of commute one way. So uh, on top of a very long day, I had, you know, two additional hours of just getting to and from home. But that's, that's just whiny stuff. The thing that really, I think, kind of <laughs> made me giggle there is I remembered um, that the, the studio used to be right next to a recycling plant. It was sort of a, they called it a recycling plant, but it was more like a, a garbage distribution plant. You know, it was, <laughs> it was not very, um, green in its in its prospects and as a result we had uh in that neighborhood rats that were close to the size of horses and <laughs> they, uh, 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 
They would live in our uh, stages, and they were very cool. They knew the drill. We all got along well. They knew when, you know, the when, when call time was, and they knew when rap was because they really didn't bug us much, not too much, um, while we were actually shooting. But boy, you know, once rap rap happened and and everybody would leave, you know, uh, many nights I would be one of the last ones out or something like that, and. Uh, if you were walking through a stage that had already been emptied out, all of a sudden you just hear the thump, 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 and these things would go charging by. And um, yeah, so I think rats as a whole are not really on my favorite list of critters, <laughs> and really, really large ones that uh, they 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 kind of got our attention. Didn't they have their SAG cards? You could have just used them as extra. <laughs> well, um, now you know the real secret. Yeah, we did. <laughs> Narn 39 really was. <laughs> now, now we know what happened to the unemployed ROUSs from the Princess Bride. <laughs> yeah. There you go. <laughs> and, and the other thing was um, that, that was uh, less than fun on many days was, you know, uh, the studio was located in a place called Sun Valley. Uh, it's not because there was an abundance of trees there. It could get so, so, so incredibly hot there. And next to the garbage pit, it made it really, really, really special. And on the other side of the studio was a um, was like a junkyard. It really was. It was a automotive <laughs> junkyard, and they were constantly carrying. Yeah, it was really the pearl. We were living the dream, pretty much. The Hollywood dream was, was all right there on B5. That's why we all stayed inside and made really good shows, just so we didn't have to go out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Summer, we got another one? Uh, yeah, actually, I've got a couple that one could be very hard, but we can answer it later. Uh, first one from Naroon. If you could replace Zima with any other beverage, what would it be? Scotch. <laughs> <laughs> if you could feature oh. some other drink on in the Zocalo, what would it be? Would Coralie uh, have last? Harley Davidson wine coolers. Ooh. <laughs> For that bug in your teeth flavor. <laughs> I think Scotch will be around forever. I don't ever see that going away. I think that's that's safe. Wine maybe. Mm. I can't see like Scotch in, you know, little portable bottles that you would sell at a Zocalo bar. True. I don't know. Scotch coolers? Does that even sound like something appealing? No, 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 no. no. Yes, Scotch spritzer. There's an idea. (laughs) Uh, All the Scotch and Kool-Aid, please. Mm -hmm. No, no, no. no. (laughs) Don't screw up good Scotch. Um, No, I agree. I think something like Scotch or or bourbon will will be around. That'll be eternal stuff. We'll take that to the stars with us. Hmm. What kind of beer makes it to space, though? Wow. I don't know. Blue ribbon. That no, no, no seriously, dude. come on! Can you imagine how skunky the beer would be by the time it got to B five? That's some serious no. skunk. Only, only if you take it out of the cooler and put it back in. No, no, the tra- transport will be bad. Hmm. In in uh, really, maybe, I think maybe that's the mystery no. then. 
Maybe that's it. Zima is the only thing that can transport the light years from Earth to Honestly, to I, 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 I've, I've been kind of sitting back on that because, really, if you wanted to get beer geeky, <laughs> God, don't get me started here. There, <laughs> There is a lot to that because beer is rather fragile in transport. And to transport it that far and you figure the con- conditions of space, it may yeah. not be possible to transport beer. They would have to brew it there on the station. And the pro- and that process could be a little tough too. That would probably take up too many resources. Exactly. <laughs> hmm. I've got some down below blue ribbon for you. There you go. <laughs> so it's it's possible that Zima is the actual perfect drink for <laughs> for the future <laughs> in space. Man, yes. Oh my god. Oh my god. Brown. <laughs> I can't believe I just made a case for Zima. I'm going to go kill myself now. Brown Sector City. <laughs> You know, that's just it. That just goes to show you how scientifically accurate Babylon 5 was. You had spaceships that responded to Newton's three laws. You had beverages that were, you know, the only things you you could transport via space uh, transport. So there it is, people. It's going to be Zima. It's Zima or nothing. You know, take your choice. Uh, and like this, this question, I think you and I would actually have to do a little research on okay. what episode of B five that didn't receive commentary on the DVD do you wish for, and who would you like to have heard that commentary from? You know what? I would like to have heard. Um, this is going to be an odd one, but but I I would like to have heard commentary on Tick Transit Beer, and obviously have Stephen first along for that one. Mm-hmm. Um. But also, I would love to have the actress that played Linda Stee do that one. And I'd also like to have Claudia Christian, because that was, um, you know, that was an episode where we get to see, to a certain extent, the, the insecure Ivanova. You know, the, the one who's looking for a purpose and something to do. Mm-hmm. And she, she ultimately finds that. But, you know, it's, 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 it's such a, a fun episode. And and I really enjoy it, and I really love Beer in that episode, and I love how Stephen first portrayed him in that, because he's, you know, it, it's all the contradictions wrapped up into one bundle. It, it's the heroic Veer protecting his lady, and of course it's the bumbling Veer because, well, you know, he's only ever had one. And, and it's it's the Veer, the moral Veer, who's outraged by what Linda C. represents, except the fact that, you know, Linda C.'s pretty hot, and, you know, Maybe they could overcome the differences. I just loved all those contradictions just got all rolled up into one wonderful bundle. And it's just, this, I would just like to hear what it was like to, to work on that, that show. Hmm, that's a good one. Yeah, there's a, there's How about a, you, Summer? I, I would actually have to go back because it's been a long time since I've actually gone through the commentary. Hmm. Yes, I, w- I would have to make a study of this. Okay. Well, make that your homework for next week. I will. I will defer till next week. Okay. All right. Running out of time. One yep. more. No, nope. we're done. We're done? We're done. Yeah, we'll try to be prepared for the next show. Folks. <laughs> <laughs> we will try less flying by the seat of our pants and more preparation. But improvisation makes us stronger. That right. <laughs> which does not cause Brad to edit out entire sections makes us better. <laughs> Uh, Come by and check us out in Second Life. Uh, The castle, 
The two castles have merged into one huge castle. We've Third Life books on the bottom floor, Farpoint Media on the top. We've got a Pod Culture Cabana. We've got an Astrocast pub. Come by, seek us out, have fun. Join us in the chat room, and you'll hear all the fun stuff that got edited out. <laughs> yeah, the show will be 25 <laughs> minutes long next week anyway. So. <laughs> uh, if you have your own feedback to leave us, send an email into babylonpodcast at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 206-338-2259. That's 206-338-2259. The year we had no clue what we were doing. <laughs> And we'll see you next time on the other side of the pool.